the world, this is Paper Cuts with Brad and Jay. I'm the one you love. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for stopping by. There's Brad. It's his show. It's his show. That's why I'm the host and we just love Jay. Now you know it's all natural. I mean, you know, nothing's rehearsed, right? No, absolutely nothing is rehearsed on this show. God, you just suck life out of here. It just feels like <laughs> you've fun. got you've got a lot grayer since we started this. I have, honest. I know, I have. This evening we are chatting with author Hamlin Bird with special co-hosts. Oh, come on, this dude's here again. We are live. Happy you paper cuts day to you. Yes, I know exactly. <laughs> Happy paper cuts day to you. That's gonna be Brad. It's gonna be my new, new uh, intro for now on because we never know. You know, I used to say Happy Friday. We never know yeah, if we're going to do a show on a Friday know. or Saturday or Wednesday or what. So I'm just going to say happy paper cuts night to you or day to you for now on, okay? Bradford Chad, Proctor over there. I'm surprised Chad ever comes back. The way you treat him, I'm so, <laughs> Chad, I'm so shocked. Chad, it's true. Like brothers with different mothers, okay? We go way back. <laughs> you know, we, we are, we're, we're locked in. We're, you know, <laughs> checks in the mail. Tonight show, we, we must have thought, you know, this was too big for the two of us to handle because we had to reach out to uh, – chad to be a special co-host and i don't know we, we were counting backstage chad you're starting to get into that laurel hightower megan lucas uh you know they've been on the show the most i think you're there maybe that you're like one third. short you know maybe after tonight he will never come back and he'll stay one short i'm not sure that, but, uh <laughs> chad here tonight welcome as a co-host thanks for thanks for asking me i came prepared i came partly prepared i got my my drenchrom shirt on Nice. Yeah. Nice. Got Laura Palmer. Oh yeah. Going. Black metal Laura Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, what are you what are you wearing there, Jay? Oh, I'm talking head shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reverend uh, Michael, Michael Clark. Michael Clark, the the king of swag. Nice. I got one of those in my dresser. I think mine's it's, in the bottom nice. of my hamper still needs washed. It's, but it's like Under Armour. It's yeah. nice. It's like one of those soccer shirts. Yeah, Mike goes all out all the time. Yeah. So you should probably introduce the guests since we're like, we've already, we're like, what, 20 <laughs> minutes into this? We're talking about shirts and wardrobes and stuff. Tonight, uh, we have a writer who's been around the community for a while and he's been a supporter of the show. He's pops up every now and then in our comments. And uh, we're like, yeah, we probably ought to go ahead and have this guy on or he's going to stop supporting us. So he uh, he's a writer. <laughs> exactly. It's a shock. The writer of Double Vision and Wayward Son is newest as a trippy adventure. Uh, it came out in May. Drengrom. Help me out with this. With this, uh, Hamlin. How do, how do you pronounce this? So basically, there's there's no real way to pronounce it. I mean, okay. I, I stole it from A Clockwork Orange. That's where the I, term actually yes. is. So that's the best I can do. However you want to say it, that's the way it's said. Hamlin Bird's here with us. Before we get too far into this, uh, into this book and all your other books, two quick questions for you, Hamlin. Yes. One, are you fine being in the presence of a cannibal? And, and two, wow. Two, how much acid? How much acid did you drop before writing this book? I, I just those are the two things. Okay. Well, I think anytime I'm in society, I'm probably in the presence of a cannibal. Yeah, I, I didn't say who. It could have been me. Could have been okay. Brad. Could have been Brad. Like, yeah. Everywhere. And um, the second question, uh, quite a bit actually, but that was, <laughs> that was a long time ago though. Like not concurrently as I wrote it, but yeah. I pulled from experience, and so there was a lot of experience to pull from. Let's say, let's say, yeah. 
And for those who haven't read it yet, I mean, it's a it's a somewhat of a trippy psychedelic. Uh, you know, you might have a lava lamp in the background with the black light poster type uh, weird drug. <laughs> you, you you explain it because like I'm still lost and I read the thing and I'm like wow <laughs> I was like cool so you go ahead yeah. you what's want me the, to explain it what's the elevator pitch for this one for anyone who hasn't read it oh man well basically <laughs> um, this this chick is trying to get um, a mythic drug and uh, she happens over it on the the dark web she manages to try it. And from there, her life sort of unravels as she gets wrapped up in that. And um, then there's a couple of side stories involving some other characters and and how they kind of thread in and out and stuff like that. But um, you know, like really, the I was going to write a story that was a little bit different. Like uh, I was talking with a coworker, and we were talking about that somebody on Craigslist actually um, they wanted to they put themselves up there or their body, and they wanted to be cannibalized. They wanted someone to eat them, you know? And, um, and so I thought like, that's a true story. Right. So then I was like, well, you know, I think it'd be cool if you did that, but then you were like, but I, you got to feed me while you're like, you know, cutting me up. And, um, so that's Wait, you guys don't do this. <laughs> I, I mean, we have, we have the expert. We have the expert with us. I mean, is that, is that a, that's a, a normal Thursday chat? night. I mean, is that, yeah, it's Tuesdays. Okay. Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. So that was the genesis. And then um, for story purposes, like it didn't, it didn't really work out that well when you're trying to tell that story um, for different reasons. So I was like, well, let me just switch it up. And I'd known about Drenchrome for a long time, going back to uh, Hunter S. Thompson and, and all that stuff. Uh, so I was like, well, let's just do that story because mm -hmm. I've kind of been holding that one in my back pocket for a while. So I just threw that in there. So is, is Drenchrome, that's not a real thing. Is it? It's just made up from those movies and stuff. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it depends on who you ask, but I mean, um, yeah, I have no idea. Like, I mean, yo, if you look in the front of the book, uh, there's a quote from Aldous Huxley. Yeah. And <laughs> so, I mean, and he was, uh, you know, he experimented a lot with mescaline. He wrote the doors of perception, which is where the doors got, their, the names doors got their name from. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> maybe it's some of it's theoretical. Um, mm -hmm. But I I'm sorry, Brad. Brad, the Doors is a, a band from the '60s and oh, yeah. '70s. Just so you know, I Brad. don't know. Okay. I don't know the who they are. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm gonna read this from um, the front of the book though, because it kind of explains what it is. Yeah, the beginning sentence. It says, uh, "Then came the discovery that adrenochrome, which is a product of the decomposition of adrenaline, can produce many of the symptoms observed in mescaline intoxication." So maybe it is a real thing. Yeah. I guess uh, theoretically it would work. Uh, I've never tried it though. <laughs> Just depends on who's watching. Never tried it. Yeah. I don't have anything to do with that, man. Right. Not um, at all. <laughs> but so how did, how did the idea from, for the, uh, this drug to get all wrapped up in this weird. I, and I don't want to give away what happens at the end. Cause I wasn't expecting it to go that direction whatsoever. Yeah. So what, where did, uh, with, without giving anything away, where did like the stuff at the end come from? Because it's like um, she's having this trip and stuff, but then other things start happening. That dude, I have no idea. <laughs> like, like I was enjoying the the one thread, and then it came to a sort of a crux. And I think mm -hmm. I'd had that idea kicking around in the back of my head for a long time. What happens? And it was yeah. like, 
it's time. It's time to unleash it. And um, it was beautiful. Uh, and, well, um, the, uh, the the shit gremlins got unleashed pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, at that point, I just wanted to um, I just wanted to be free. You know, I just wanted to go wherever I could. And usually, I'm writing like a novel, and it's it's so bogged down, and you, right. you kind of have to establish all this stuff. And so I was like, dude, I can do whatever I want here. And um, and it was meant to like be sort of vague. Like I said, with David Lynch and stuff like that, a lot of it's mm -hmm. intuitive. And so mm -hmm. you just kind of um, there, there was some things in there that were deeper. I'm not saying it's all just, you know, out there, there, there were mm -hmm. connecting ties, but um, uh, like even when I was writing the end and you get up to uh, when the dad answers the phone and there's the situation with the guy in the car and all that, you right. can see that's where I would have broken out. And like, okay, who's this dude? Let's investigate him. And it starts sprawling out into this bigger story. So I definitely restrained myself. I said, keep the focus. And um, and I actually cut that down more than I would have liked to. But in uh -huh. the end, the story worked out exactly the way I wanted to. It is jagged. It is quick. Uh, and that's that's the way I wanted it. You know, kind of um, an uneasy sort of thing. It is very quick. I read, I'm not a fast reader, and I read the whole thing in one day. So that's saying a lot for me because it's what? Yeah. Written. 130 pages or so it's not super long but for me that's that's a lot to read but you read while you're working while you're working I do, but that's still yeah. a lot for me to read yeah working. while working yeah <laughs> chad you read this one right i sure did yes I, I i loved it i thought it was great i i'm a, I'm a big fan of uh amela's uh work he had me blurb wayward sons happily did it and um he sent me this one uh, I think I read it the same week that he sent it, and I really liked it. It's got some similarities in that it's this great kind of slice of life, and then it just turns into this, oh, oh okay, this other <laughs> thing, you know? And, uh, yeah, big fan, man. I, I, I really uh, I liked it a lot. And I could, oh. I could, being a huge Clockwork Orange fan, I could see some mm -hmm. of the, I was like, oh, okay, I know where, the, I know where this came from, which I appreciated. Oh, Usually man, when I'm reading something... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I appreciate it. Like yeah. that's totally awesome. Like Chad was the the one person that I reached out to for Wayward Sons. Nobody else. I knew it was like this is this is Chad, you know, or whatever. And um, so I'm yes. always super appreciative that that he blurbed that and that he dug the novel at all. I, I I recall, and I think I've told you this before. Um, when you sent me that, you know, I, I do get requests quite often, and I don't have the time to do them all the time or sometimes i just don't like the book and i don't believe in giving blurbs just to friends and just to be nice you know right i don't think that does anybody any favors and um i could tell as i was reading it i was like oh this dude has definitely read uh my stuff before and paid attention <laughs> you know he knows that that i would like this so yeah for sure there was a, a comment. One of the common themes I found between both of them was like this, this almost some of the characters want to escape. They wanted this sense of freedom to kind of break away, especially with, uh, with Drenkrom. But as mentioned in here as well, I think a character's name is Ray. He was trying to like get away and escape from his family and stuff. Was that, was that uh, a thing you were thinking of consciously to sort of intertwine between both of those sort of if freedom getting away, sort of breaking the, what their family kind of wanted them to do and kind of, kind of stuff. Um, not necessarily consciously. Um, that was just kind of the trajectory of the story. 
Um, those characters were just, it's like they began on their own in the story. That was their, it's like they've always been on their own. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I suppose in some ways, uh, it is always nice to get the parents out of the way, you know, and not have to deal (laughs) with that when you're, you know, so they can kind of do their own thing. Um, Although Double Vision was very much about the relationship between um, the dad and the son. So I dealt with all that there. But with these, it was meant to be a more, uh, solo journey mm-hmm. without so, all the family stuff, you know? So did, did your process change any from double vision and wayward son to when you were writing this? I mean, did you have to like go to a whole different space in your brain because this was so trippy and psychedelic oh. or is it the same approach or what's different? Well, it's always changing because well, wayward sons is actually the first novel that I ever wrote. And, um, and it, I really cut my teeth on it because, you know, I wrote the initial draft, but then I spent uh, like three or four years learning how to write, basically. And that was the novel that I used to do it. And at one point it had it had gotten like twice as long as it is now. I mean, it was huge. And, and like like there was weird stuff like I was really into Vincent Van Gogh. So there was like a whole chapter about Vincent Van Gogh and, and like uh, Wes, like talking about this painting, uh, the night cafe and, and him going in the picture because a lot of it was kind of like um, Catcher in the Rye, which is mm-hmm. like my favorite book of all time. Um, so a, a lot of it was influenced by that. By the time I got around to Drenchrome, I was finishing up Boomerang, which I talk about in the afterward. And Boomerang is just completely um, like when I was doing that novel, I had Twin Peaks playing like 24 seven in the background and I was already in that mindset. Right. And, but it had to be sustained over, you know, a novel. And so when I finished that uh, raw dog press had put out their call for novellas Mm -hmm. and I was like, dude, I got like two months, like I can totally do that. And so it became a challenge. Like I'm going to write a novella by the time that not the open call comes. And so um, after a novel, it felt great to just like, nah, I'll do whatever I want, you know? Um, (laughs) So it came natural to just um, go crazy a little bit. Chad, do you feel the same? I know your stuff's all usually the same length, but you write something longer. Do you feel sort of this release to write something shorter after that? (laughs) I don't write anything long. So, no, it more ha- more has to do with like a topic. Like if the topic is just really dark and hits too close to home, there's been a couple books where I really could not wait to to get done with it or or to get into something a little bit more lighthearted, like Neon Owl or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hamlin, you, you you sent uh, these to Chad ahead of time. Were you looking for suggestions, comments, help? And Chad, did you? you know, giving things out to him. He was being or... a cool dude is all he was doing. Okay. He was cool. being, cause he knows I loved uh, Wayward Sons and yeah, he sent me, um, actually I have, I, I don't know that I have all, I, what's the other one? Wooly? Is that what it's called? Wool or Wooly? Yeah, but that's, um that's like online only. Okay. That's what I thought. But I have, yeah. I have the double vision one as well, but I have not read it yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and Drenchrome, I just sent to Chad after the fact because i don't know for some reason i thought he would like it <laughs> but it, I, it was already published and all that stuff um did you did chad did you read have you read woolly yet no i haven't <laughs> all right i think you'll like that one too 
Okay. It, it, it's a little more gritty and realistic though, but it's just like a short story. But um, I wrote that when I okay. literally was a teenager. So at that point, point I probably was like, um, but I've edited it along the way. But the genesis of it was back in the right. day, feet on the ground, crazy shit happening everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the one that uh, Christina Trueborn Designs did the cover for, right? Yeah. It's got, yeah. Like the boy with the, like, the bloody nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For uh, uh, there, there she is. <laughs> yeah. For Adrenochrome, explain to us a little bit about uh, like uh, these uh, are these just thoughts that Code is having in between, like almost like a narrative that Code has given us in between some of the chapters. Where did where did that concept come from, and what was the point behind that to explain what was happening? What, what the black pages? Was, yeah, yeah, because it was too trippy, or did yeah. you? And that was um Adrian who designed it. Like that was totally his idea with the black pages. I loved it. Right. Um, when he came up with yeah. that, but that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's badass, man. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to get inside of her head and, and do first person. Mm-hmm. But initially, again, I was doing a novella. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen with it, so I was like, well, I'm just going to do some like almost diary entries, and in the end, I might take them out. I might not even need them. So I would just you know do a bunch of stuff, and then there were a few concepts like the scene with her parents and stuff. Um, I think I had written that already just because it was a fun, a funny, right. funny thing. And, uh, so it fit Coda. So I put it in there, but, um, some of it is just thought pieces like that poem at the beginning. Uh, that was like the last thing I put into the book. Uh, I literally was, we were about to finish the file and, um, and I scribbled it out and I hit up Adrian. and was like, yo, wait a minute. Can we put this in too? <laughs> just, just as a, as a, as a cool thought experiment. Um, but yes, yeah, so the black pages hopefully anchored the story. But what I found out actually was that the story was something I was trying to tell. And I, I didn't, it was kind of like not exactly related to me, but the more that I got into those pages, particularly um, my own personal stuff started to come out. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, talking about Dean Moriarty and my piece with, uh, you know, Emily Dickinson and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, those, that's more personal stuff. And so I wasn't sure if it jived, you know, between the two, but I think it worked out well. I had a buddy. He was like, no, it totally works out. Um, but yeah, that's when my own soul started to sort of bubble up up in there. And um, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to keep it. I like it. That means something to me, you know? Yeah, it, it totally works. I, I like when uh, when someone, it's almost like taking a chance and, okay, wondering if, if someone's going to pick up on it because it changes the pace a little bit. And it's, it's like a different uh a view or insight to the whole story. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. It just breaks it up. It's not just a story straightforward in your face. It's like a little thing on an extra on the side to see if you can really get it or not. So I think it works. Yeah. I, I like you know, how it changes the monotony of everything. So I love the layout of the Thanks. book too. Did Adrian AA did the whole thing? Like yep. the, the chapter headings and everything. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah, he really did. The, he did the cover too, I'm guessing. Yep. It's a uh, A.A. Medina. Adrian did the cover. He does what's that? Fable Beast Designs, I think, is his uh, company yep. name. So, so what did y'all word? just read that? Um, Drinchrome? Yeah, we read, I read it this week. Yeah. Oh, I, fin- I finished it um, yesterday. Yeah. Very nice. I mean, I, I try. I try to get to the the week of whoever ha- we're having on that show. Try to so it's fresh. <laughs> yeah, because he's definitely. holding for good stuff. That's true. 
So where did so the ending of this book is just completely wild and fun and crazy. And I don't want to give too much away, but where did the idea for that come from? Because it's completely, it's it's not completely different than the rest of the book, but it it's kind of out of left field a little bit. Yeah, it's more, it is. It's more trippy and stuff. And then the end is like really like violent and it's got that creature going on in there, which was super cool, which was I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so how well, did you, the idea to merge those together like that. And where'd well, you come up with the name Shit Gremlin? I mean, that's just. <laughs> Josh, oh, trying not to give it away what it was. No, but it, it's it, that's not giving away everything. That's but I mean, that's just I, that's that's <laughs> look. You know what I took away from the book? Shit Gremlin. That I mean, that's either <laughs> a freaking good name for a band. That's or, as good as anything to take away from the book, yeah, honestly. Or that's the name of your next novel you're gonna write. One or the other. So, <laughs> well. Oh man, this is gonna sound so lame, but uh, I took that from somewhat from Stephen King, man, because when I was writing, <laughs> I was like, "Is this too? Is this too close to Dreamcatcher?" Yeah, because if uh-huh. you remember, um, Jason Lee, too. yeah, that that scene in the bathroom, which ain't in the book. Um, I love the book and the movie, but I, and he, they call them uh, shit weasels, yeah. you know, in Dream uh, Dreamcatcher. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was like I, I wanted to do something a little bit different, but it, it definitely reminded me of Dreamcatcher, you know. The comments here, they're saying Drinkrom hit the gas pedal at the end. It totally did. Went a whole other yeah. violent direction. <laughs> that wasn't expected, but it was a whole lot of fun, though. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. I just wanted it to be um, a good time, and I didn't want it to end off on a, you know, I don't hate when they go down. You know, I wanted it to, to go up and just kind of stay out there. And um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it worked out well. And so you like Chad's books, even though they go down at the end all the time? <laughs> no, not Chad's books. Was he just now? He was, he was getting on me earlier saying that I was being mean. Now you're saying no, that's, that Chad's that's books are downers? <laughs> no, they're they're bleak endings sometimes. Except Skullface Boy. Skullface Boy is probably the best ending, right. I think. Oh, no, no. Not necessarily go down in, in being depressing. I can totally do that. Just as in like the action and, and it just kind of peters okay. out. You know what I mean? Okay. That's not but what I meant. Chad, Chad's don't do Chad that. Has that's like, not what I meant emotional impact like chad will crush you at the end of his stuff you know right right but also like i've always wanted to do because i never really did novellas um Mm -hmm. there's this book that dean Koontz did like strange highways i think it's a collection of short stories slash novellas and in the afterward or the forward he's talking about back in the day um novellas and novelettes were kind of a dead man's land like you couldn't do anything with them you know, I mean, you did short stories and you had novels, but in between was like nothing. And so yeah. pretty fairly early on, I moved from short stories into novels because I knew eventually it was going to be if you wrote a successful short story collection, they publishers would say you got to do a novel. So mm-hmm. I moved into that area fairly quickly. Um, but that's changed. And nowadays, novellas are very hot. And um, I always wanted to do one with you see all the popular horror novellas and stuff right, right. Um, i wanted to do something you know fairly sick fairly disgusting fairly gross and something that kind of pushed the envelope of something um that i hadn't put in any of my novels because generally if i'm writing a novel um i was just unaware of the extreme horror kind of you know situation i work at a library i worked at a library for 15 years i've read mm-hmm. most of the stuff that comes through there and is on the shelves so the indie horror and extreme were not really on my radar at all. 
until the, the last uh, three years or so. Um, so I was like, well, dude, let me let me try something more along the lines of that. Although initially it was going to be something else called um, Domino. I had this really cool idea for this chick named Domino. Uh, but I, I don't want to say what, what what she does, but that was kind of what I had in mind. But I was like, all right, let's do Coda first, and then maybe I'll get the Domino later. So does your does your library, do they get much indie horror stuff in? Or maybe well, he, he puts his on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I don't put it. They don't even know that I publish books there. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, but no, because of me, they got indie stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I've started recommending things and, and getting things in the catalog. But before that, not at all. Like the most shocking thing I ever read off the shelves was Zombie by Joyce Carol Oates, which is a yeah, goes pretty really? hard. For a yeah. mainstream book, yeah, yeah. So I mean, when, when you're giving them suggestions on what to get for the shelves, are they look at you like they've never heard of these people, and they're like, "Why, why are you doing this? It's not Stephen King." What's the they process? They used to. Now, now they're used, they used to it. Yeah, okay. I'm like the horror guy, so anything that comes around that's horror horror adjacent, they'll come to me. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So with Wayward Sons, we'll, we'll switch over to this one a bit. So I'm assuming you're a big, well, this took place in what, 80, like 87, I think? Yeah. So yeah. You're a, big, you're a big heavy metal fan then? Actually, I was uh, more of a classic rock fan, really. Okay. A little further back. And I mean, Metallica, but that's that depends on who you talk to, um, if they're heavy metal or what. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah much more um you know alternative and and classic stuff like that do you have any musical influences for this book well yeah um because i've been playing guitar since i was like 16 and so i mean there was a point that's what i wanted to do with my life was you know be a musician so i had all this i mean a lot of the stuff you put in books is stuff that you're interested in anyway and that you you're already reading it's just hobbies Right. And so all of that music stuff kind of made it in there um, anyway, just to help inform the story, because that was totally on my mind when I was writing it. Were you ever in a band? No. Nah. Yeah. Like, well, that's why I think I kind of ended up being a writer, because uh, bands and movie making, which I also, like, wanted to be a movie maker. Quentin Tarantino you know. was hitting. Those are all, like, collaborative efforts, and they rely on other people. And especially mm-hmm. a band. I mean, you're talking about oh, you got to meet every week and practice. Like, somebody's yeah, well, I mean, that, that's that's probably one of my biggest regrets in life: not getting into a band. That, yeah, like cool. you know, learning an instrument. <laughs> I guess you got to do that too. But having some sort of musical talent, right? I mean, but I mean, so so you're a music guy. I mean, are are you like an everyday music listener? Certain bands? Are you kind of stuck in what you like? Because my wife makes fun of me. She's like. You know, you're never going to like any of the new rock bands or any any new rock bands that come out like 2000 and beyond. And there've been a couple I like, but she makes fun of me because I'm still listening to the classics and stuff from the 80s and 90s, 70s, 60s, all that stuff. It's like I'm setting my ways. Are you setting your ways too, as far as your music goes, or how how do you how do you how's music in your life every day? No, I like uh, some modern stuff for sure. There's always something coming out that's good, but um. It might get a little harder to find um, versus the older stuff that is like, it's a go-to, you know? Uh, (laughs) 
like I think I remember uh, Stephen King, like he, he likes listening to audiobooks. He's like, mm-hmm. listen to audiobooks is great. I mean, how many times can you hear Freebird by Leonard Skinner? And my answer is a lot. <laughs> I'll still <laughs> listen to that, you know? Like, um, so most of that stuff, like, I mean, Pink Floyd, dude, never gets old. Like, that's what I like to listen to. Um, so I am sort of an old dog in that, but I'm always open to, to new stuff. I mean, even coming up when you go through, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and some of the newer things that were coming out back in the day, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, it's great music, you know? With you being a musician yourself, is it is it easier to write that stuff into the book or is it harder because you know so much about it that you're like being nitpicky about all the details and stuff when you add something like that into a book? No, it was fairly, fairly easy. And I'm no expert because I never was in a band proper like Chad. I mean, you were legit in a band touring, right? Yeah, not touring, but I've been in several bands. Yeah, recording and stuff, but never tour yeah. playing shows and stuff, but not not on a full like tour. No. Like. What was that like? What was it like playing shows and doing that, living that life? Well, I was first of all, I was just thinking, uh, I started playing when I was 16. I wanted to be a rock star like you did, or I wanted to work in film. So I thought that was all those comparisons just now were, except for I wanted to be the special effects guy. Ah, but nice. yeah, playing playing live is, uh, I, I, would, I would swap out every book I've ever written to be able to, I mean, I'm older now. I don't know that I would want to be playing shows every night, but nothing beats that that thing, you know, playing your music or even just recording and being able to have your own music to listen to. I I like writing music more than I write books, but I haven't been in a band in a while, so I don't ever write music. I'm doing a collaborative project right now with somebody, but uh, um, other than that, I, I haven't written like a song in years. You, did so, you ever record your own stuff like like Prince at Paisley Park? Like, do you have a bunch of uh, tapes around of stuff that you've recorded? Uh, I mean, there are some live stuff on YouTube from different shows. And then a lot of the um, stuff that I had recorded in bands was just before CD or, be- or, or around the time CD was brand new. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's on, on tape that hasn't been transferred and it transferred is probably rotting and I need to get that over. But um, I do have some stuff that, uh, uh, that that's more recent. I think I wrote and recorded a song on my own. That's on YouTube. Uh, like maybe a year or two ago that I wrote. Um, I, I had the idea that maybe I wanted to make my own soundtrack for one of my books. I was going to say, you should, you should do soundtracks for your own books and release. Them yeah. Well, yeah. The funny thing is, it's for the book "The Same Deep Water as You," which is supposed to have the the soundtrack to uh, the soundtrack officially is "The Cure's Disintegration." Right. All the chapters are named after all the songs, and and the name of the book is after one of the songs on the album. But I started writing songs for uh, to have that out. One of them is on online. But other than this new thing, I don't have I don't have, and then some live shows and stuff. I don't have a lot of. Do you do that's um, guitar or a bunch of instruments? Guitar and sing. If you want to call it singing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some some of it's legit singing, but I'd rather, I, I, I like screaming and uh, more than I do, uh, you know, punk rock stuff, hardcore mm-hmm. or, um, but I've been in, in multiple, di- playing multiple different genres, but yeah, good time. I've always loved it. 
So you would trade the music for all the books. Uh, if if there was some way to actually make money writing and recording music, um, and someone said, "Yeah, but you got to quit writing," I would I'd be like, "Let's just let's start now." Dang. Not to say I I hate um, you know writing. I just I don't know. I just like music more. It's got to be a. I, I just want to feel the thrill of the band up on stage when it could be a small club of a couple hundred or a big amphitheater of fifty thousand just cheering for them. You know, it's got it's got. It, I, I want to feel what they're feeling up on on stage, and, and you know, and if you look at a band that's been doing it for you know thirty years, and they still feel the same way as they did the first time it happened, so. That's what, yeah. that's how I look at like music. Sometimes when I go to shows, and I'm like, man, I just wonder how it feels being up there, and all these people are like worshiping you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. What would feel really bad is, uh, you know, those stories. Big bands they go on the road and they feel that every night. They travel all the time and they get home. It's almost like a drug, and mm-hmm. then you're like back at normal life and you don't get to feel mm-hmm. that. Like that must be drive you crazy. Yeah, their normal like, life is on the road. Yeah. It's yeah. like you know, it's it's. It's weird being at home with the wife and kids. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like I can't stand this. I gotta go. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, that would suck. Mike, Preston I'm sorry. He needs to hear Chad's band. Sorry, Brad. We're we're, we're talking music, and you don't oh, listen yeah. to you listen to like country rap or something. So we apologize. Not, not country rap, Jay. No, I don't know. You, just just that. normal rap. No country rap. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the names of your uh, your bands, Chad? Yeah, um pig pig farm was one uh <coughs> zero um which came out uh well before uh the whole smashing pen i was going to ask if it's connected anyway way, way before that yeah uh um grog uh haji and the ancient chinese secrets <laughs> that's a good one um dead skin in my pillow but we used acronym and acronym <laughs> and uh fat Albert and friends it was kind of a noise band that I actually played drums in that would play with another band that I was in whenever they played um zeitgeist um I think you told us that one one time maybe did I I think we talked about music a couple times before hmm. yeah I, I, it sounds familiar maybe it maybe it was so yeah and this thing I'm doing now I don't think that it has a name because it's with uh, a musician who has their own thing going and they asked me if I wanted to collaborate with them. And then I asked one of my favorite singers in an underground band that I've been listening to since I was a kid, if he would, I, I've gotten to know him, did a lot of artwork and stuff for them over the years, asked mm-hmm. if he would sing on the track with me. And he said, sure. So that's cool. very excited about that. If it happens, we're having some issues with. Uh, I've got an older version of GarageBand. This guy's got a newer version of GarageBand, and we're having a hard time with the files. But I, I already have a demo, and it sounds killer. Would the, both of you all, since you both uh, like music, would there would you all like to incorporate music in other ways? And just about, you know, this book is about a band, like, like Jay say, like kind of writing a soundtrack for it, or incorporating i don't know how you do it but incorporate music in some other way than just the book is about a band does that make sense what i'm trying to ask have y'all ever thought about actually doing a soundtrack creating your own music for a book or anything 
Evelyn? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think Chad would probably be great at that, like, because um, he's still in the game. I, I don't really play very much anymore. It got oh, yeah. to a point where it was like I sort of had to choose because I, I tend to be, like, obsessive with whatever I do. And mm-hmm. if I picked up the guitar, I'd be doing that, you know. And um, it was kind of hard to split my time. So I had to, like, lay it down. I mean, I'll still pick it up occasionally, but not not like I was before, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much right. in the writing world now. Uh, I did everything that he just said uh, perfectly. That's uh, <laughs> the learning curve. I, I don't play as much as nearly as much as I used to because I don't have a reason to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I haven't. I'm not in a band. I don't have practice, um, and the I'm, I'm I can't make money doing this. And then uh, the learning curve. You know, of just you know, it's like yeah, I could write an, uh, an album's worth or EP or whatever for uh, as a soundtrack for this thing, but who's really that interested and it's not going to help pay the bills. Not, not to say uh, uh, my fiction helps pay all of my bills and my neighbor's bills and their bills and and whatever. (laughs) It's, it's not, it's, it's, you know, more of a struggle, but it's not gonna, it, everything like that is going to tear me away from um, the time that I could be writing another book. I wish that I could, I wish there were like, if God was like, dude, I'm going to give you like four more hours in a day just to work on music. Yeah. Just, that'd be awesome. I would do it. Yeah. I would or do like it. Uh, Edward and Twilight where he plays the piano. <laughs> I've never, I've seen, never seen it, never read him. <laughs> Me either. I have no desire. Oh, man. I don't think I've heard of it. So my, my, <laughs> my ex made me watch it. So I've seen quite a few of the movies. <laughs> Not to uh, not to like keep dwelling on the music. So there's other stuff to talk about, but like like that's how I look at poetry. When I read somebody's work of poetry and stuff, like I look at it as the, the lyrics, just without the music. So when I'm reading it or when I'm writing it, I have a tune in my head, <laughs> and I, that's just how it's connected with me. Because I look at it as like you know, music could be like poetry with with music involved, you know, songs, and then vice versa. When I'm reading somebody's poetry collection and, and doing that so i think they intertwine that way well mm-hmm. with me it's like um the, the music the problem with that is like everything else that kind of comes with it um like the production you're talking about like garage band and stuff like that like you have to be technically proficient to know how to you know there's all, to add all the things mm-hmm. and um i mean much less going out and playing live and going on the road whereas like that's uh, and, and with movie making you know all, all of that goes into that whereas that's why I like the purity of writing where you solely rely on yourself. You don't have to wait for anyone else to show up mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can pull a book off the shelf and see the final product, read the words. And that's what it is. Whereas if you listen to an album, you don't, you don't know what they use to achieve that sound, you know, the, the echoes of this, that, you know, um, and it can be impossible to try and figure it out where right. I love with a novel. It's right there. There's the blueprint. Just do this. You know, um, of course it's a lot more, subtle and nuanced in that you know to how they learn to create those worlds within the pages but mm-hmm. that is the finished product you can see all the words right there and now you just do the same and that's more of a, a single piece of work too that the book where as a band they probably don't even know themselves where some of these sounds came from it was the producer that was mixing things that came up with hey let's just have a over here well we didn't even know that was there you know so yeah, yeah. that's in- that's an interesting way to look at that too. Uh, uh, something, you know, a, a piece of music versus 
a book because there are no real tricks here. Um, but with the music, like if you're if you're one of those people like I was where you're getting the the guitar magazines and you're trying to read tablature and you're trying to play this right. riff perfectly, it's like if you if you could sit down with the person who wrote that, they could probably be or watch them in the studio. You'd be like, man, dude wasn't even playing it right. He had to play, you know, they had to stop here and add this here because he couldn't. There's a lot of that, a lot of cheating going on that you editing, don't see. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that story about Kirk Hammett? They were recording an album, and he would just. Um, or actually it was Eddie Van Halen, I think. And he would just wail for a while. They'd record it. And then the producer would pick out like the best pieces of his solos, mm-hmm. put it together. <laughs> and so in the end, Eddie was like having to learn all these. Yeah, I think I have heard that. Yeah. So there, there are actually quite a few bands that actually admit to that. And, and you, you mentioned Kirk Hammond. I think he's one of them that do, they do it too. There's let him sit back, just do what he does. And whoever's producing it was going to grab pieces out of it. So there, yeah. there are a handful of bands that would do that. And then before they go out on tour, they have to learn, relearn their own music for those tours. <laughs> but so. that's what's kind of cool about music too, is because it's full of so many happy accidents. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, a lot of t- today's music is just so polished and overproduced, mm-hmm. uh, even like metal. It doesn't even like the drums just sound horrible on a lot of this newer metal stuff. But uh, I have played like recorded solos and then been like, I, I I don't know what happened there. My fingers slipped. I got this weird harmonic thing. I can't play it again, but it sounds cool. Let's leave yeah. this on here. I won't be able to play that, you know, live, but <laughs> just well, we've got it now. Let's leave it like that. Yeah. I feel like that would be more fun than um, like recording an album that you have to go play live is to just play with effects and do stuff in the studio and knowing that you will never, go out and do this like i don't know if that was like sergeant peppers or what but it was like you know pet sounds whatever it may be yeah it's like we're we're not going out this is just what it is we're gonna have fun in here see i i look at that sometimes too uh like that's how i separate the good musicians from the studio musicians not saying studio musicians are not good but you know you can put together a crappy band and have a good producer create something but then you see that band play on stage and if they're not good you know, you start wondering, okay, where does sound come from on, on the album? You know, so that's why, like, I, w- when I really get into a band, I want to hear they, how they sound live and how they sound together, you know, like you said, unpolished. And yeah, that's but how I a, start, you know. There's a difference between a good musician and a good songwriter, a huge difference. Right. Um, you guys have probably heard of Ingve Malmsteen before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guitar virtuoso, can't write a song to save his life, a catchy song. You know, but nobody can probably play as good as he can, except, right. for, you know, probably Eddie Van Halen. Um, and then you've got someone like Kurt Cobain, who isn't a great guitar player, but right. he's well, I talk about writing, being able to write a, a hook, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, for sure. I remember Kurt talking about that he hadn't played Teen Spirit in so long. He was going to have to go and relearn the solo. Yeah, like he'd forgotten how to play, and it's not a difficult solo, really. No, it um, just follows the vocal line. That's the melody yeah. line. Yeah, the vocal yeah. line. So I was like, dang, but yeah, Kurt was definitely not, you know, a guitar virtuoso or anything like that. No, but he, he just had, was a really good. Song it, it always made me funny. It always made yeah. me laugh when, like, I don't know, like Rolling Stone magazine, they they would do their list of top 100 guitars, and he would show up. For some reason, on there, yeah. people question like, "Why is Kurt Cobain on here?" Don't ever podcast? listen to Rolling Stone magazine. I, I know they're, they're, they've lost all credibility. <laughs> Dude, ever. they lost it but... a long time ago. They, they, when bl- both Black Sabbath and, and Led Zeppelin, they 
bashed both of their debut albums when they came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and essentially definitely. said, you know, these guys should not quit their day jobs. They're going nowhere. Right. And in their, what was it, 500 vocalists that they did, like, what was it, last year? Well, they, they usually you, do something like that every, or like every couple of years. They usually yeah. have a list. It's but when you've got, usually. But when you've got, like, uh, Courtney Love anywhere near that list. Dude, um, don't get me started with her. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But, and I don't think Mike Patton was even on the Mike Patton wasn't Probably even not. on the list. I don't know if you guys know anything about Mike Patton, but uh, any any singer will tell you, especially in rock or anything, especially from the last 40 years, none of them, I don't care who they are, can touch anything that he's done. He is yeah. I mean, Faith he's no unnatural. More was very underrated because they got overshadowed a lot. So, yeah. Sorry, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, keep talking, well, man. Fill me in. Who's Mike Patton? I don't know Mike Patton. Mike Patton was the uh, singer for Faith No More when they got yeah. real popular, right. and oh, then. Okay, okay. But he is also in, uh, I, I Mr. Bungle. Mr. So he, Mr. I mean, Bungle, he yeah. plays. He's in like uh, he does Italian opera as well, and he does like wow. really hardcore like punk stuff with another band, and he's, and then he does like a kind of like a. Um, almost like smooth jazz stuff with another band, and it's he's all over the place. And so some of the some of the bands that he's in, like Mr. Bungle, one minute it's just like screaming this crazy stuff at a register that most people people can't reach, except for maybe like Mariah Carey, like that really high pitched like seal sound that she used to do. He's probably got like eight yeah. or nine different levels. Of he this. can do that, and then the next minute he's doing this like very very low baritone like jazz thing it's it's really crazy i'm i'm a huge mike Patton fan and yeah. was he not on that rolling stone list no it's a popularity list so yeah and bob yeah, dylan yeah. bob dylan's on there <laughs> yeah yeah you know even between um music and and like writing i like uh i love variety i like when i like when people can do different styles so, like, mm -hmm. to me, uh, Jimmy Page, like, his guitar. Uh, I saw Kelly uh, mention Zeppelin, like, and I'm terrible with the comments. I don't, I'm not I'm not doing the, um, you know, I'm usually in the chat, you know, but um, <laughs> I'm terrible with everybody over here. Like, I'm sorry. We reversed the script like, on you tonight, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But I see all y'all, all right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I love Zeppelin. And, like, I mean, if you take out Robert Plant's voice, which is so recognizable, but if you just listen to the music, like Zeppelin, you could play one song and have no idea it was them with the other one between Tangerine and Cashmere, um, yeah. you know, and, and I like the same thing with uh, with writing. You know, I love to be able to be versatile and sort of unexpected, you know, because even with sure. like, you know, like an extreme horror book, for example, um, mm -hmm. you can be shocking, but it, it's still expected. I mean, if you pick up an extreme horror book, you kind of know what you're in for. Yeah. So it's just like it can't really be shocking. It's just sort of unexpected in a way or, or, or vice versa. So I like to be able to to really do different things and take on different voices so that you wouldn't almost know it was the same person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a minute ago about the happy accidents and music. You know, they just kind of happen. Oh, that was great. We didn't mean to do that. Do y'all, Pamela, do you have anything in your writing where you're just, I don't know if you, do you plot? Do you, do you pants everything? Just make it up as you go. Oh, like, dude! Happy accidents, like, well, this is great. I just wasn't expecting this to happen. Actually, because uh, Chad, you you do a lot of pantsing, right? Like you don't oh, really plot, right? Yeah, I don't plot. 
Yeah, I can't do that. Like I've I've tried different things. I'll try different techniques. And um, I've made some terrible mistakes. I was doing this one novel one time. And and um, anyway, you go in a wrong direction and, and then you realize it and then you have to go back and all that's trash. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so disheartening. So I am a very big planner. And you'll have to feel me in Chad because it's like I can't. And I know Stephen King's the same way. Um, he doesn't really plot, but I do a controlled chaos sort of situation where I do have beats that I want to follow, but within that realm, things go crazy. So like this big, huge novel that I wrote, Still of the Night, definitely had planning because I don't understand how you can have complexity without knowing where you're going. It's almost like um, I'm going to write a screenplay, but I, I don't know what, where it's going to go. But screenplays are so tight. You know, right, they have yeah. to be exact. So to me, that's how a book is. But then you get inside and you find little playgrounds. And so that's when I'll go off talking about some bullshit for a couple pages because that's fun. And I like talking about mm -hmm. bullshit for a little while. But then I get back <laughs> on point and, and fall back in line. So I'm definitely a plotter. But within, like you're saying, Brad, um, within those uh, parameters, I will happen uh -huh. upon something that it's like I didn't even think about that. And it'll change things. But then you have to spend a couple of days thinking about the re the consequences of what you thought and like, how does it check out? You have to run it through all the systems and make sure that it doesn't contradict something else. But um, mm -hmm. so there is a bit of being organic. But for me, it's definitely being very controlled with it. Do you sort of have a, like the pillars, like you kind of know the, the spots you want to hit along the story and then kind of in between those kind of make it up as you yeah. go a little bit? Yeah, something like that, like major, major um, sort of plot points, because uh, I really like to have a good ending. I love mm -hmm. a good ending, you know, and to me, it's like mm -hmm. that's the big fear. And that's what people trash Stephen King for is that his endings suck and he just burns the, the village down or whatever, burns the town down. Um, yeah. So to <laughs> me, I have to I, I'm almost like um, I think it was John out of nowhere. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it was John Irving, maybe, who said he starts from the last sentence of the book. And well, I was going to ask you that. So she'd like yeah. a good ending. Do you ever think about writing just the ending first and then working your way? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's the ending is the only thing I have uh, or, or or something like that. And I'll be like, OK, how did this come to be? Right. And just go from there, you know. But, Chad, people say I mean, I was just wondering, like, how you like do you totally sit down. I mean, you have some ideas, right, of things. Along it, yeah. The it, it, it really depends uh, on most of my short stories. Well, at least half of them, zero idea. Uh, and I will write a sentence and um, that appeals me enough, appeals to me enough to write another sentence. No idea where it's headed, but um, I know how important it is to hook the reader right away, mm -hmm. editor, publisher, whatever. Um, and so I need to do that to myself first. As far as like pantsing uh, uh, novels and novellas, I, I mean, I have an idea and I'm with you, man. Uh, the ending is to me is the man. I don't know if I'd say the most important book because the whole ride has to be entertaining. Right. But if, if yeah. I can't nail that ending, it's like if I'm pantsing and I'm halfway through the book and I don't have the perfect ending yet, uh, um, I will get really stressed out because at that point it's like, I don't, if I can't have a good ending, cause I'm not going to blow up a town. Um, so if I can't have this good ending that it's just going to make someone put the book down and smile and go and just think about, you know, about the ending for the next couple of days or something. If I can't do that, 
um, there's still sets in, in moving on. So that, that part of the process kind of stresses me out, but also, um, I often do have the ending first and before I'm even halfway through, I will sometimes write it. And there's been times where I wrote the last, uh, couple paragraphs and never changed a word, um, well before I was, you know, halfway through the book. I, I remember I was, when I was writing Skullface Boy, I did that where I didn't, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but wasn't sure. I was outside. I think it was late at night and I was just standing in my yard looking at stars and stuff. And then all of the whole ending came to me. I'm, I'm going to lose some man points, but uh, I started to cry because I, I had basically written the, because uh, to me, the whole, the, the ending of that is, is it's not sad, but it's a, a very hopeful. Um, it's a joyous ending. Tear inducing ending where because i had i had spent so much time already with this character um and to see this happen for them it was uh um it was really emotional so uh but so yeah but jay you had mentioned uh, happy accidents i think it was you in literature right. and i do have a quick story to tell that um about a, a, a happy accident that kind of happened the other day some of you know that I'm doing a collaboration online and I mm -hmm. came up with the idea of documenting the entire thing from the first brainstorming session to mm -hmm. uh, uh, we are kind of having a, a like a rough outline that we've uh, because it because it is a collaboration. Right. And I've never written I, I've done live streams writing before, but not to where people can see the words that I'm typing, because mm -hmm. I tend to I'm not one of these ones who just kind of spit out the words like diarrhea of the keyboard or whatever and then mm -hmm. clean it up later my first drafts are usually really clean so i'm more choosy with the words that i that i picked to write uh during that session so uh that makes me a, a slower writer because i'm more careful i i hate that and i wish i could get it out faster and then just worry about stuff later but i, I can't do that i don't know if it's like mm -hmm. ocd or something but so I'm sitting here and I'm the one that's supposed to be starting this whole thing. We've established all of our ideas, or at least most of them for the first half, two thirds of the book at least. And we've written uh, outlines, a uh, rough outline for the first three or four chapters. So now here we are in our third or fourth day. I'm getting ready to type. We have an audience and my co-author is watching me as well. This is not cool. So, and I, because I, I purposely went in not having any idea what the first paragraph was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I typed, um, I just I typed there boobs. When you started. Okay. I typed the word boobs just to be funny <laughs> so that, uh, my co-author would be like, what, you know? So I just typed boobs and he goes, uh, that has to be the character, uh, the name of one of our characters. And I said, yes, because everybody likes him. And so that's a happy accident. Nice. I, I like that. Yeah. Everybody likes boobs. Yeah. I was there when you, when you started. That was great. <laughs> boobs. And Chad, Sorry, you're talking Brett. about Skullface Boy, right? Uh, the, the, the ending that I was referring to that the cheered ending. me up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Great book. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll all the places that it went, all the little adventures and stuff. Yeah. And I know you said that you could have went on doing it for, for yes. much longer. Like, yeah. Oh man, some of that stuff was hilarious, son. Like, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <I was loving. laughs>
I still remember where he goes to the guy's house, but it's like a library or whatever. The old man's house. Rainbow. Uh, yeah. Rainbow Ricks. Yeah. Yeah. That might be my favorite scene of that book. I like that book a lot. And the, <laughs> the Winnebago when they're going through the Canyon or the RV or whatever it is. Yeah. So, Hamlin, you're talking about, you really try to stick the ending. Have you ever gotten to the end? But like, oh, I don't like this and just had to like completely switch it up. Or do you kind of know what the ending is going to be before you get there already? Have you had any innings that were like, man, this isn't working for me. I need to switch it up here at the end and do something different. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it stays the same, but at the end of uh wayward sons, mm-hmm. actually, yeah. Uh, Wes was supposed to um, like come out of it better and like learn a lesson or whatever. And then it was like, nah, it'd be much better if he, um, <laughs> if he just had just paid it no mind. Like it didn't even affect him, you know, and he kept just doing his thing. Um, so that one was kind of a surprise. I didn't expect that. But most of the time, yeah, it fairly sticks to it. Mm-hmm. And people say it all the time it's, you know, about the journey, which I agree. But also if the ending is just a letdown, that almost like ruins the whole journey, at least for me, in a way. I don't know how you all feel. Well, that's a yeah. Stephen King career for you. <laughs> Not all of his endings are bad. He's got some uh, it's good a ones. joke. <laughs> he's got some duds, yeah. but he's got some good endings, too. Yeah, um, like King taught me like that anything can be interesting. Like he could write about a dude taking a trip to the grocery store. Nothing mm-hmm. supernatural happened. And just the interaction of the characters would make me want to keep reading it, you know? So yeah. that's why it was like, like I used to um, be an art, like draw an artist and stuff. And I was like, I want to be able to draw anything that comes into my head. And so mm-hmm. I would try to work at that. And so it's like that with writing where it's like any scene, anything that comes in your head can be interesting if it's written in the right way. Like Chad saying, like the um, sort of line by line tension, where it's mm-hmm. you know every every line is just kind of drawing you forward. So I always try to keep that in mind. Um, I may not always pull it off though, <laughs> but but like a lot of mundane shit can be interesting to me. Just just people's thoughts and stuff, and their interactions. So so on that, how do you uh, try to keep a good balance between? narrative and dialogue with characters like do you try to keep it balanced or do you just allow the characters dialogue to tell the story or do you feel like you have to in the narrative explain what the what they're talking about at times it kind of goes back and forth depending on what's happening with the plot but there's definitely been like double vision is is a very cerebral book probably if i did it again i wouldn't spend as much time in, in mike's head there's a lot of thinking mm-hmm. um Whereas there's other scenes and stuff that I haven't released where it's, I mean, 40, like 20 to 30 to 40 pages of a scene of um, this couple going on a ride along and the things that happen. And it's just, and there's, and there's plot details that are all coming out in all the dialogue. And right. I loved it because it, it moved fast, but it was accomplishing what it needed to accomplish, hitting all the right marks and stuff. So it kind of depends on what's happening in the plot. Um, but I hate those scenes sometimes when, the plot has to go forward strictly by action and, and there's no dialogue. And it's just like this dude climbed a mountain and, and then came down the other side and yeah. found some bones or something. And um, yeah. it's just like 10 pages of action. Like that can be boring to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 lo- can- I love it when, it, when, when the characters are telling the story, like the dialogue is pushing along. Yeah. That's what I, that's yeah, what I yeah, yeah. 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 There's a, you're talking about sort of the mundane stuff. There's a, and Clay McCloud Chapman's new book, uh, What Kind of Mother? They're just like these little side characters. It's like these little old ladies at the farmer's market. 
they just like are the town gossips and i could have just read an entire book just about yeah. them talking and gossiping about people in town so yeah it doesn't have to be about action or big plot points just something you find interesting whether it's a character or a certain scene or a location i could just read an entire novella about these little old ladies gossiping about everybody at the farmer's market yeah like i wish I more people remember... like that <clears throat> Yeah, people I remember, oh, that's boring. Like, that have anything to do with that the plot. So who cares about it? But I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, me too. Like I totally because I, I came from sort of a literary like I love literary stuff. Like mm -hmm. um, the Last Picture Show by Larry McMurtry. Like mm -hmm. this, is, this is probably the last book I read that like truly blew my mind. And um, there's just a lot of people's lives going on in there. Um, so I, I love mundane stuff. That's actually not quite mundane. Like Raymond Carver. Love Raymond mm -hmm. Carver, you know, and, and his stories just have a total flavor of their own, you know? Yeah. Uh, when people add that stuff, it, it makes it makes the books feel more real and lived in. Like, this is day-to-day -day life, and, you know, this is what, you know, your main characters will be seeing these other people living their lives. It, and it makes them feel more real instead of just, it's all action, and we're all just running full speed ahead, because that's not real life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I I like the side stuff all the time. And Chad does good about doing that. And you've got, you know, the, the different people in the apartment, the old man, Mr. Hal and uh, the lady, she goes and helps out like <laughs> yeah, those characters, yeah, exactly. the everyday characters. I like that kind of stuff. It gives, I know, there's something about it that gives it more authenticity than just, if you wouldn't have added them in, it was just her tripping the whole time. And then what happens at the end, it just wouldn't have been the same yeah. without having these little side characters and you get necessarily super attached to them, but you care about what's going on because they're interesting and they have their own things going on. It just mm -hmm. it adds a certain layer of depth to the story that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah. And and if you're skilled, not only are those side trips interesting, but the plot is kind of hidden in there somewhere. You know, one of those mm -hmm. stories will tie a thread somewhere else and stuff, but it's, it's all hidden, but it all runs together, you know, fluidly. So it works out, but yeah, you're right. Like Mr. Howe, Miss Windicott. Like I love yeah, the characters. I just love her hanging around with them, you know? <laughs> And then the, the the like the stoner guys in the apartment down there, like Trent and what uh, Cuddy, like their side story, yeah, and how it how it how it wove in. If you call oh, that stuff yeah. out, it's just gonna be, it's just not gonna be as fun. I don't think. Dude, that whole opinion. scene where they're watching the pay per view that was worth yeah. the whole book to me. Like <laughs> the rest of stuff was yeah. great. Yeah, it's weird yeah, because I, I, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, you just had stuff in like that too, I think. Oh yeah, I love writing that stuff. And what I was just thinking how weird it is that I love, um, the reason why I love the the stuff that I've read from um, Hamlet is because to me, uh, there's no real true North um, through the book for a while. And I told mm -hmm. him that if, if, if the, the shit goblins never happened, um, and things just continued in Drencrum how they were. I was in the whole book was just the slice of life thing. Uh, I would have liked it no less because I like, but I, I think maybe I don't like that from everyone. And I was just thinking of how weird it is that my biggest complaint uh, with King, like I don't really like the book it um, uh -huh. for a couple of reasons. One was that uh, I clowns do absolutely zero for me. And another one is by the time I'd finally read it, I'd seen Pennywise just, just you know, I was just so tired because I only read it a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. And um, it was just so over Pennywise and clowns and how uh, scary people think they are. 
it's the you know 400 pages of fluff and but yet i can read a whole book that's um that somebody else might think is just completely boring because nothing is happening but it's mm -hmm. like and that's why some of the books that i have like in the in the jex world or whatever you want to call it broad street bastard and sing deep water and, and uh slow burn and riverside that there are things that tie them together but mm -hmm. ultimately they're just you're watching these people just be go through their their issues there's not really you know well this book is about you know this um mm -hmm. and, I, and i like films like that too like indie films or just like a like the um where there's no real true north that you're following you're just you're an observant you're a fly on the wall and the people that are telling the story are just fun to uh, watch. But I, it's so weird to me that that I don't like it when King does that. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's because he's here and then he's here. And ultimately, I don't. You're talking about this guy that I don't. You know, this guy's grandpa owned a bar 40 years ago that burnt down and all this. It's like I don't care, man. I don't know who his grandpa is. Maybe it's that. You know, let's hear about these other people that are going through this. Thing right here but i wish more people appreciated the kind of stuff that hemel is talking about you know raymond carver and uh just that slice of life like no real um i don't know no almost no real plot yeah. because when just it's done like right drop in like a snapshot of this life and you, you're yeah. out of it again i saw a movie last year called i think it was called two 200 junkies or two thousand junkies or a thousand junkies or something like that just this indie movie about this these guys in their probably 40s or 50s trying to score uh in southern california driving around in this this beat up car trying to score some uh heroin because they're going through it and that's just the whole movie right you know them going to place to place that talking to people and all this kind of stuff and that's all that happens i freaking loved it I love I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the indie the indie movie part because like I'm a fan of indie movies and I'm watching them right and I don't think my wife gets them a lot of times she'll she'll watch every now and then watch one with me at the end of it she's like I don't understand the point of that movie yeah there doesn't see, need I, to be a point see the yeah the the point's there but it's just not as obvious as you know a a blockbuster you know, Marvel movie or whatever, you know, it's just the ending happens and it's like, Oh, okay. See, There's no big explosion or big hand gravity at the end. It's just, you action, know, <laughs> action movies. They, it's weird. I can seriously watch a movie where it's just all dialogue and be really entertained. And then I can watch a movie with car chases and bullets flying and explosions. And I'm bored out of my mind. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is about all this action that just, <laughs> I think it's because uh, like, it's oversaturated. There's so much action now. Like everything's a big blockbuster. Just, maybe I'm desensitized, people, and I just yeah. like that. Like that. I want to say. I mean, watch. there's. I, I'm probably desensitized a lot of that, that stuff. Maybe it's just old age for me. I don't know because I'm like I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, seen it, seen it, same thing. Yeah. But these two people sitting in a laundromat just talking about life, I'm wrapped up into. It. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> you know. Yeah, there was a movie a few years ago. I think it was Ryan Reynolds. And he's just buried in a box the entire movie. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. called buried. Yeah, that's <laughs> and great. And my wife, my wife hated it. She was like, "That was the dumbest movie I've ever seen." I was like, "That was different. It was interesting. I liked it." Is it? I don't think there's even anything outside. It's just him in the box the entire time. Right. And have you guys ever seen fun with him? Have you guys seen the Florida Project? I've not. No. Uh, it's just a drama about uh, uh, people who live in a <clears throat> really, really run down motel 
outside of Walt Disney World or Disney. <laughs> yeah, Walt Disney World. Um, it has Willem Dafoe in it. It's an underground, a uh, like independent film. It's a twenty four movie actually, and okay. so you know it's freaking just gold. And I've seen it a couple times. And I highly, if you like that kind of stuff where you're just kind of like watching and observing, um, mm-hmm. it's some of the best acting I've ever seen. Which is ironic because the people who are in it, with the exception of Willem Dafoe, had had never acted in their life, um, including oh. all of the kids in there. But they're the most authentic. Most authentic acting that I've ever seen from young kids, ever. Mm-hmm. You, they had to have just kept the 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 camera rolling like twenty four seven for like months and just got all this stuff somehow and put it together. It's like the guitar too. solos or grab the <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah, maybe, man. <laughs> so all this movie talk. Let's let's get into this uh, game that play, Brad play a game. Can't wait to to do. This, hey, I'm gonna. Preface this: If this goes poorly, this is Hamlin's fault. It, it was. He said he's, 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 he's the king of this stuff now. He just is. FYI, so it'll, it'll probably go really horribly since he said that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't pick these questions, so that that's good. All right, it's, I'm actually it's not really... proficient as I as I let on. It just seemed like a good idea. <laughs> gonna go... All right, so this is called "Before They Were Stars." Before they were stars. <laughs> that's wow how long did that take you brad oh man a couple hours that's our that's our budget for the next year and a half the hardest oh, part is finding copyright free music for those stupid little videos but so what this is and chad you can play i will ask camel first and if he doesn't know then okay. chad can guess okay so these are now more popular more famous actors we're not doing a reading trying- for those we thought we knew no, that was the wrong one. My bad. <laughs> Thanks for catching that. Yeah. So this is either who the actor is or what horror movie they sort of started out in before they got really famous. All right. So we'll start with the, we'll start with this one. I'm gonna name the movie and see if you can guess who it is. So before right. this Aussie actor landed this role as a hunky superhero, he played a hunky jock. In this horror satire, a group of friends find themselves trapped in a remote cabin that happens to be controlled by evil curses and outside forces. Is Chris the Hemsworth movie- from Australia? He is. All right. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot he was from Australia. That's him, right? It is. Do you remember what movie right. it is? Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. It's already oh, going good. It's already good. Good job, man. Yeah, that one guy in that one movie with those one other people. I'm so bad with names and faces. It's just like. So these are there are a lot of these movies, and this it wasn't his first movie, but I think he got kind of very popular after this one. So the the true story behind the Amityville horror is absolutely terrifying. Twenty eight days after the Lutz family moved into the new house, they were driven out by evil supernatural forces. Luckily, this person and his abs made everything even better. That's another Canadian, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is Canadian. Ryan Reynolds, right? Ryan Reynolds. Oh, softball. I, liked I like that one. He, he, wasn't known, one. he wasn't known before that movie? I think he was, but he, I think he got super famous once he started doing like Deadpool and all the comedy stuff. Okay. Yeah. He he did that like a uh, National Lampoon's movie, Van Wilder. Yeah. yeah. Van Wilder he was, he was, he, I thought he was in a TV show before that movie. Maybe not. But... Could have been. I don't know. Because that's, that's from 2005, so that's a long time ago. That's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Let's see. 
All right. What hap- This is about the movie. What happens when a bunch of college students sit around and spew out their favorite urban legends? Naturally, a hooded killer comes around picking them off one by one in a similar fashion to the ill-fated tales. This movie came out in 1998. Chad, I'm going to let you get that one, man. <laughs> I mean, you already said the title, didn't you, Brad? Urban Legend? That's what I thought it was, right? That is the, that is the name of the movie, Urban okay. Legend, yeah. Do you remember what actor it might be? Oh, the oh, you're talking about an actor now. Yeah. That's in this? Did you describe did you already describe the actor? No. Is it, I just have to guess an actor from the movie? An actor the from other Urban one, Legend who's super famous now. Oh, who's super famous now? Super famous, because yeah. there's probably a lot of mid tier oh. people in there. I'll oh, say man. he if you want to hint, I can give you a hint. Yeah. Go ahead, Hamill. Do you know? Yeah, go no, if you know it. I was just gonna make a joke about Pacey. <laughs> he is okay. Joshua Jackson. He's, he's in there, right? Okay. I, I was thinking, who else is in there? That's big. <laughs> so he, I've, I've heard he's a method actor and that he's sort of a pain in the ass on set. And he has played a. Uh, a do you know I know who you're talking about. Do it. I forgot. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. That's right. Legend. I forgot. He was a. I, was I didn't know he was that in that. But was you that before? This? Was that before or after my so-called life? I think it was. That was like the first thing he did. I think was in '98. Yeah, that was. I don't. The movie was after. Yeah, my so-called life was. Yeah, it's like first thing or something. I think. I think so. It also had Freddy Krueger in there, Robert England. Did it? It's been forever since I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, I just seen watched it the, the other night. Actually, did you? <laughs> did you really? <laughs> wow. All right. So next up, uh, this actress is actress may collect Oscars and Emmys for her roles. In Boyhood and the Act, but she's no match for a certain uh, serial, a certain slasher who decides to devour her like a worm. This cool. is a sequel. It's... Oh, okay. Chad, you this got is, this. This is a, uh, a yeah. third movie in a certain slasher. Yeah, franchise. yeah, yeah. Is it uh, uh, Arquette? Uh, Roseanne Arquette? Or Patricia Arquette? Patricia Arquette, yep. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Three. The Dream Warriors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. This one's this one's easy. So this person starred in a movie about an angry leprechaun, and that's all I'll say, because that's obvious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love that, that movie. It's so bad, it's good. It's so bad now when I watch it, but I loved it as a kid, so it'll never grow old, you know? There's a... There's how many of those are there? And there are like four or five of those movies, Leprechaun movies. I haven't even at seen least, all of them. That's saying a lot. Yeah, there's like six or seven. They did a remake without even Warwick Davis. And I was like, what? Without? Wow. Did they really? Yeah. Is he in all of them? Or? He's the Leprechaun. No, they did a reboot probably... without him. If you watch that movie again, uh, take note uh, and notice that it's actually a children's movie, and that's how they filmed it. And then uh, post production, they added gore. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty clean movie, except for a few scenes where they, they added gore and stuff in later. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is a good one. What's scarier than the house at the end of the street? Living a few doors down from the house, apparently. A 17-year-old who starts dating Ryan, a resident of said house, and a brother of a girl who disappeared after murdering their parents. This one is from 2012. 
and it's an actress. Oh. She went on to star in a really big sort of YA trilogy of movies. I know who it is, but I think she was big before that. <laughs> this isn't like their very first movie, but like, oh, okay. I, they I got super famous after this. But in that movie, a remake? Oh, I know I you're talking about. No. You're talking about Maybe. Jennifer uh, J-Law. J-Law, yeah. yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. House of the Industry. But Industrial. I can't remember the yeah. name of the movie. Hers, hers is a, re- a remake from like a 70s. It's not how, there's a Glass House on the left. Is that a remake of this? Or is there one actually called House of the Industry? Street? Oh, Glass House on the left. Yeah, that's what the movie's called, House of the End of the Street. I don't yeah. know if that's a movie, a remake of Last House on the Left. No, no they did another. Movie. Yeah, they did a okay. remake of that for real. Which right, I'm sure some of somebody in here has seen the remake of Last House on the Left. I haven't. I feel like Me neither. I feel like that was pretty good. I feel like someone got their hand stuck down like the garbage disposal and then like a nail gun to the back of the head. I might be remembering something different. In Last House on like, the Left, you're talking about? On the, in the remake. Okay. All right. Well, Last House on the Left, the original, that's a gritty movie. Yeah, yeah, that was, was rough. It was. <laughs> that one in, uh, what is it, I Spit on Your Grave? That one's rough, too. Yeah. <laughs> There's several movies. remakes of that one, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. They I already have. There's... There's sequels to it, too. Yeah. I feel like there was uh, one a little, in the last A little trivia about that. The poster for uh, the original I Spit on Your Grave is Demi Moore's butt. Is it really? Is it? Yeah. I know. I remember it was just from the back and she's in her their underwear or whatever. Yeah. There was speculation about that for decades. And then finally, not not too long ago, I think I think she came out and said, yeah, that's me. She's not no even in the way. movie, is she? No. Is she in the movie? No. No. So was it just like a stock photo they used ever or was it from something else? Uh, They probably, I don't know. I don't, I don't, but that, that movie came out. The original really was like early 80s, right? Yeah, or early 70, 80s. Maybe late 70s. Late, late 70s. So she had, I don't think she had really done anything. But then. I probably just took it and didn't even pay her for it. We'll do, we'll do two more. Let's see. This is technically a comedy horror film, but giant spiders are pretty scary. You know what's not scary? This person's hair parting down the middle. And I'm going to mess this dude's name up. Matt Schutzries, he played Logan from Gilmore Girls, Sweet, Sweet Face. This is from 2002. She has gone on to play uh, a superhero. She got really famous for. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is technically technically a comedy horror film about giant spiders. Oh, I didn't didn't see that movie. The movie is called Eight-Legged Freaks. Yeah, Eight-Legged Freaks. I did not see Eight-Legged Freaks. Who was in that? Wasn't like David Arquette in that or something? He was in it, but I don't remember anybody else. Yeah. She's she's got red hair. And she became a superhero? She's in all the Marvel movies. All the Marvel? Oh, I know. GP? Gwyneth Paltrow? No, she's, she's not in Marvel movie. movies. No. <laughs> yes, yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow is in the Marvel movies. Is she? Yeah, she's I've never. She's Iron, Iron Man's Man. Iron Man's uh, oh girl. Well, this no, that's not who I'm talking about. She's one of the main like Avengers. Oh. Oh, oh. you talking about Scarlett she's, Johansson? Scarlett Johansson. You said redhead. Yeah. You said redhead. 
Yeah, she is redheaded. Oh, she's no. not. Scarlett Johansson's redheaded. She wasn't she redheaded was... in uh, Ghost World when she was. For sure, which she... was probably before that. Pretty sure Scarlet Witch, or not Scarlet Witch, but uh, Black Widow has red hair in all the movies, doesn't she? Well, maybe in yeah, maybe in Ghost. Hair, but she I'm thinking of an actress that has movie. red hair all the time. Yeah, this <laughs> this picture looks like she has red hair in this Eight Legged Freaks movie. She was That's in that. Yeah, Jay, that was the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you see her in there? Does it show up? That's her in Eight-Legged Freaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's got red hair in there. We'll do one more. This is a this is a twofer. There's two people in this one that got famous. Let's see. That's going to give it away. Let's see. So there... All right, they had starring roles. I'm trying to do it without spoiling it. They're starring roles in uh, this movie. It's an iconic slasher movie. I don't know if this is a remake or just a sequel. One of them is playing a teenager on the run. He's a male actor. And the other one, two years before, had a super famous movie that starts with the name Jerry. What? <laughs> that was a little convoluted. Yeah. Oh no. What do you what do you just say? Why did you say okay, so two years oh. before this movie called Jerry, this person had a small role in Reality Bites, Empire Records, and a starring role in this uh, horror movie. It's a sequel. It's one of the Texas Chainsaw movies. And the oh, other okay. actor plays a teenager on the run. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Is it McConaughey? McConaughey's the one on yeah. the run. Is uh, Renee Zellweger? Yeah. Renee Zellweger, yeah. She, yeah. she was in Jerry Maguire. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a, I was thinking, okay. Chainsaw right. 3. Chainsaw yeah. Yeah, 3. Why could you say what what slasher film did Kevin Bacon show up in? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I was on the list. What's uh, Kevin Bacon was in what? Tremors? Yeah. Was Tremors first? No. Was it no, first his time? very first no, movie was Friday the 13th. Yeah. And, and that was Johnny Depp. Johnny, I was going to say the Johnny Depp one was obvious. Do y'all know Nightmare. the... Do y'all know the... Have you seen Cutting Glass? Who the actor is from that one? No. Cutting Glass I, is from 1989. Oh, wait a minute. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah. Never even heard of that. That's a movie? A bu- <laughs> it's in a... In the Hall of Fame of Brad's on-screen names, his moniker in Cutting Glass reigns supreme. Meet Dwight Ingalls, budding basketball star with looks to kill from 1989. That might have been his first movie. Is it on Tubi? (laughs) Probably. Tubi has everything. I know. You already start with Tubi first. He's looking awful young and suave there. Look at him. Young Brad Pitt. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, uh, I was telling them... um, Chad, you remember that show? Uh, or you afraid of the dark? Yeah, that show. Was uh, that was a little after my time, but yeah. Okay, yeah. There was like a lot of people in there. Not only um, Ryan Gosling, but Nev Campbell was actually in one of those episodes too. Mm, really? Yeah. It was like, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but after the fact, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, she got real big. And well, you did way better than I would have done on that. I would have had none, no idea any of those people's names. All right, I did okay. You did okay. You did pretty good. All right. <laughs> you, you are an expert on that. You survived. You did. Yeah. Hey, some people don't 
know any of the answers to any of the questions we asked. So you got at least one right. You're doing way better than most everybody else. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch a lot of horror movies? Are you a big horror movie fan? Oh yeah, of course. Um, and like, in fact, uh, like I used to write to music, um, but mm-hmm. here lately I actually write to movies and stuff, but you got to pick just the right movies, something that won't grab your attention. Like I put on mm-hmm. heat one night that Robert De Niro movie, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. over. Like it was yeah. three hours gone. <laughs> um, cause it sucked me right back in. But if you like, um, Amityville horror exorcist, like these run on a loop <laughs> in, in the background. So they're just my comfort movies, you know? Wow. Do you ever do you ever worry writing to a movie that that'll in some way like influence you, like in a way you don't want to? Like, you know, if you're watching The Exorcist and you start putting stuff from The Exorcist in your book by like subconsciously or anything? No, not subconsciously. A lot of times I'll put it in. Um, like if I'm looking for a character's name, and like mm-hmm. one time I was watching Fargo, and I was writing a scene with a cop, and anyway, it's like I needed a name. Boom, took it, and in this way. <laughs> Because it's kind of like, um, it's like these are my little scrapbooks, you know, the novels. Mm-hmm. And so when I read them, I'll remember where I was when I wrote that scene and stuff. It won't mean anything to anybody else, but it'll kind of take me back to that place. So it's great, actually, because the thing with songs is that, you know, you'll get all this emotion for like four minutes. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm really grooving here writing. And then you like replay it. But eventually it, it goes on and then it's like Raspberry Beret starts playing, you know, and, and it just totally crashes the mood. So with a movie, you can set, I, I'll put on Eyes Wide Shut. I'm set for three hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's much, it's hmm. very chill. Interesting. I don't know if I could do that. So I've heard a lot of people writing to music, but never writing to movies before. It's good. Yeah. Well, I used to drink <laughs> when I was um, listening to music and then, you know, I got sober. And so for a lo- it was like it kind of brought back memories listening to music. And so mm-hmm. it just sort of happened organically that I started playing movies and it stuck. I might go back to listening to music. I actually have this box set of like all nine or ten Led Zeppelin albums that my buddy gave me. And I want to do like what did Jack Black call it? The Zeppathon, where you listen to <laughs> every album all the way. Like I want to write a whole novel where all, all I listen to is the nine albums of Led Zeppelin on repeat. Um, but otherwise, the movies are doing it for me. I, I don't know if I could do Eyes Wide Shut, though, because it's a lot of uh, distracting scenes. <laughs> no, that, that's, what you would, that's what you would think. There's like five minutes of distracting Hey, hey we're all guys. I'm being honest, right? I mean. <laughs> talking about the character boobs, Jay? Is that you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Go back to Chad's new story with yeah. boobs. <laughs> Everybody boobs. loves them. Everybody loves them. Yeah. yeah. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, love. Oh, uh, have y'all seen the new uh, Talk to Me movie? No, no I haven't even heard of it, but I've seen everyone talking about it. I didn't even know. I probably won't see it until it comes streaming somewhere. I'm, I'm... I haven't seen a trailer for it or anything. You haven't seen a trailer for it? You gotta... Yeah, I, I saw the trailer it. for it in like um, Evil Dead Rise, and um, mm-hmm. it immediately looked like, oh, this is like I told my buddy immediately, like, this looks good. Now, they might ruin it. It might be terrible i don't know but the, the, the premise looked like yo this actually looks original i'd like to go see this it's an a24 film i i can guarantee you right now it's not going to be bad oh, yeah. yeah i've been hearing it's good lots of people on twitter and stuff have been saying it's good yeah yeah that's what i've heard uh speaking of a24 didn't uh midsummer hereditary all that stuff isn't that yeah. a24 
Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you like, Chad? What do you think about those movies? Uh, I love them both. I prefer Hereditary. Uh, uh, yeah. Midsummer. I actually just watched <clears throat> again. I watched it with. Uh, I'm friends with the special effects artist who did all the special effects in Evil Dead, uh-huh. and he had never seen Midsummer before. So we watched it. And uh, it was a little bit harder to get through this time because it's such a long movie. It is. It is, yeah. But uh, it was like hours <clears> I was excited because I knew we were going to watch Evil Dead Rise after, and my buddy had never seen Evil Dead Rise. So I was like, oh, I have to I have to have this meta experience of watching Evil Dead, the new Evil Dead, with the guy who made the original the, Evil Dead. He's the special effects cool. artist for the original Evil Dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, did he do Evil Dead too? He did. He did the book. In the, uh, the he did the animated book at the at the beginning of it, and then he did the the book throughout it, and then he did uh, another dagger because the dagger is a little bit different in the sequel, and then he did yeah. uh, the animatronic for the deadite that flies at the beginning, but most of the effects he did not do, but he did those mm-hmm. he did those parts. Oh, dude, that's awful though. And then everything in the first one, every bit of claymation, every prop, every contact lens, bit of makeup, all of it, 100%. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I see Tessa asking about Bo is Afraid. Have y'all seen Bo is Afraid? Not yet. Not Looking afraid. forward to it, though. Oh, man. Yeah, I finally watched it. It's very crazy. It's a good three Joaquin hours. Phoenix? Is that Walking yeah. Phoenix? But it's by the guy that, you know, did Midsummer and Hereditary. Yep. Very awesome. Um, and, like, to me, that's just as much a masterpiece as Oppenheimer. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I've I seen both. Seen that. I've seen both, and Bo is is pretty crazy. Bo, is the it a trailer that movie? I is saw? It supposed to be a horror movie, or is it just something different? Ish, ish, like, okay. yeah, something like that. The trailer. I'm not a big fan of Midsummer and Hereditary. They were fine, but I was like, oh. you don't like Hereditary? If I think I thought it fell apart, I liked it up to a point, and I, I just thought it fell apart. So. I, I didn't buy. I didn't buy to the hype. No, I, I didn't buy to the hype. There was there was so <laughs> much hype when it, when, when it first came out. There was so much hype. Oh, this is the next Exorcist. No, it's not. Let it's, me tell you something, <laughs> if I may. <laughs> you may. That that whole Exorcist, the next Exorcist, has been they've been, they've been saying that for decades about every other horror movie. Oh no, no, no I, I know. But when when Hereditary came out, that's all I heard about that. It was just so. I know, Great. but you got to ignore you got to ignore that. But I will tell you this: that's the closest. <laughs> the hereditary for me was the closest where it's like, okay, I can see why they would say that. It's the only, it's the only time it felt like fitting to say that for a movie for the last four decades that they've been saying that. Then the, you know, this I, I just, is I scary. Just apart. I, just, I just got to a point where I'm like, okay, it should have ended half hour ago. It just fell apart. <laughs> half hour ago? Yeah. So you didn't not, you didn't want you didn't want to see any of the climbing in the ceiling or knocking her head on the head. Uh, it was uh, not nearly as good as people thought it was. So oh, man. my opinion, I mean, Nate, take what you want, but it was not anywhere. Whew. No, this is when Jay right. and Chad are really not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, now you're the enemy. Now, <laughs> what I do you think of it? It follow. It follows. Oh. I like to follows. Okay. So I think oh, Hereditary man. and It Follows are the two best movies that's come out, probably come out in the last 20 years. I, 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 I really like It Follows. I like the whole premise of it. That Dude, uh, y'all got to see um, the guy that did It Follows. He has this other movie that nobody's ever seen, uh, Under the Silver Lake. 
Yeah. And it's not, yeah, dude, that's a great movie. Nobody yeah. ever talked about it. It's very hard to find. But um, well, it's it's that a horror movie? Maybe then maybe that's why they don't. No, like I can't find it. anybody who's ever even seen it or heard of it. <laughs> like even outside the horror realm, like mm-hmm. it never happened. I need to rewatch It Follows. I didn't dislike it, but I was like, okay, that's it was fine. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Hmm. Well, yeah, I loved it. It was like a precursor to Stranger Things. Wait, wait, you didn't think it was a masterpiece? <laughs> I didn't think it was a masterpiece. I like, I didn't dislike it. I didn't think it needed to be a half hour shorter, but I was like, that was fine. <laughs> okay, maybe not a half, half hour, but still. <laughs> Jay Tessa wants to know what you think is the next exorcist. Why is there going to be a next exorcist? Though? Ginger Snaps is a is Dude, the next exorcist. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But why does there got to be a next exorcist? Why? Because I mean, Blumhouse is putting one out. That's why. Dude, Blumhouse, they'll get me started on Blumhouse. They're the opposite of A24. Yeah, they just pump out stuff just to be pumping it out. I, I just, I mean, I will say, I'll, I gotta, I gotta go back and look at what all I've watched from A24 because I feel like they're hitting. You made this. Hamlin leave. He's like, whatever, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> we had a guest just leave just now. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, the trailer for the new Exorcist doesn't look terrible. It looks okay. It looks better than I thought it would, except for uh, what's her name? Ellen. Whatever name from the original Exorcist, uh, mom, her part looks that... like it might get a little cheesy. I think it's where they're bringing the mom back instead of Reagan. Yeah, I just she's... don't. I, I got no faith in it. I, I just I don't understand why they're doing that. Leave. Not many movies hold up for that long, especially mm-hmm. scary movies, and still be scary. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Well, Blumhouse, do they do all the new well, I mean, Michael bring, Myers? Bring back no? Reagan. Let, just bring back Reagan and let her be the one that's got the experience and all that stuff, you know? Linda I, Blair? I, no. I would say she probably wouldn't do it. It'd work better than who they have. <laughs> At least it's the original actress, though. Is the new Exorcist a movie or a miniseries? I don't even know. It's, it's, a movie. it's supposed to be a trilogy. Oh, God, oh. That's too is long. it really? Yeah. <sighs> so they're going to draw it out. Yeah, there's Deceiver, I think is the new one, or Believer, right? And then Believer, and then uh, Repeater. I don't know. I don't know what the third one is. <laughs> I mean, Ellen, Bernstein, Ellen Bernstein coming back as the mom. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Reagan? She's not in it, as far she's as the trailers gone. are. That's what oh, I'm saying. She's... Put her in it, so she was the maybe main she, one. Maybe she'll be in the sequel. You guys yeah. apparently have not seen Exorcist 2 with Linda Blair as as Reagan, because it is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> I didn't bother with that one, no. I've oh, seen that. I feel, like, I feel like the Blumhouses, they're cutting out all the sequels, right? It's just, this is a sequel to the original one, is what they're doing? It's, I don't think the second one counts anymore. I don't know, man. Like they did yeah. with the Halloween movies. I was trying to explain the Halloween movies to somebody, because um, I watched H2O the other night. I like H2O, but they take it that she's the sister of Michael Myers, which is from Halloween 2, circa 1980 or whatever it is. I love Halloween 2. Love it. You mean me too. circa 1980 version? or yeah, The original Halloween 2. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, I just watched it. I watched love yeah, it. I was playing, yeah, those, but it's so weird that the first Halloween, you know, they did the 2018 version, which is a direct sequel. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they did H2O, which was like a direct sequel to number two. So you got all these like... Um, different timelines. Yeah, different timelines. Yes. It's so convoluted. <laughs> yeah, and most of them are actually horribly terrible movies. <laughs> and why did they do that in Resurrection? Like first scene. 
It was like, what did you do? I don't want to say the what Busta, they did. Is that the Busta you know, Rhymes one? Yeah. That's the worst one. That's first that's team. Awful. They did like, what the, why would you do this? It's nothing against Busta Rhymes, but like the Haunted House Michael Myers one was terrible. That's awful. Yeah, Buster Rhymes uh, doing karate on Michael Myers. That's, <laughs> that's some comic book stuff, man. I actually liked the 2018 Halloween. I didn't think it was bad. I liked it quite a bit. I liked it, it too. Just, the sequel yeah. was terrible, and then the third one was awful. I didn't like the two sequels. Yo, I, I like them all. Final one yet. Yeah. I like them what all, you, but you, uh, the third you, one was not was my least favorite, and um, I'm still unsure about it, but I like the setup with the, the kid at the beginning that was dark fast, like really dark for, Oh yeah. I, I didn't like the third one because Michael Myers, like didn't do anything. It wasn't a Michael Myers movie. It was the other kid doing No, it. he had a buddy. Yeah. Yeah. He the didn't, third one, he a, a final one just now that just came out. Yeah. 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 I, I, he he, he, needed, he, like, he saved that one people. kid's ass that one time. He helped him murder mm-hmm. that uh, one person. Yeah. Did you like yeah. the new trilogy, Hamlin, of the, the new Halloweens? Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, the, the first one was awesome. You know, uh, Danny McBride helped write it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's so uh, bizarre that he helped with those. It was. Yeah. It was so welcome. Like, there's a conversation between the two cops at the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's, it's funny as shit. And I was like, I totally see Danny McBride doing this. Um, so I love <laughs> that. Like, I agree. Number two was not so great. Um, but number three, I didn't like initially, dude, I'll be putting that one on still now. Like once you accept really? that it's not really about Michael Myers, I'm cool with it now. And it has a whole, it has a whole vibe that's just different than the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to adjust to it. So yeah, I'll put it on. I think they should have flipped. The third one should have been the second one. And the, the second one should have been the third one. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's too much thought into the Halloween series. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm a huge Michael was, Myers fan. I am too. The second one was fine, except for the was this Danny? What's the the kid's name that's all grown up? Yeah, Tommy. Tommy Doyle. Tommy His Doyle yeah. was, was terrible. I didn't even know that was Anthony Michael Hall till like I was done watching the movie. Yeah, if they would have <laughs> killed that tonight, guys, I would have liked the second one. <laughs> And then the slow motion fight scene at the end was stupid too. It looked like a music video. Yeah, was, yeah, like yeah. All those, all the townsfolks around him, they're like trying to burn him with an iron and all this stupid. Yeah, crap. I was gonna say was, that one lady standing over there with the iron. It was yeah, like, it's like, it's it's like this She's like, gonna slap him with it. What are we doing here? But it was all right. Paul Shepard's got a comment, and Paul's. It's like four o'clock in the morning where he's at. Have you all seen the movie oh. Cradle of Fear? I feel like I've seen Cradle. of Cradle of Filth. I think I'm thinking of something Phil. different. I think I was, a, I'm thinking of some of all fears. So no, Cradle Filth, the band. Yeah, maybe that's a band. Or maybe Cradle Fear yeah. by band. Did they I make a movie that. or Cradle Fear? Now we're going to look it up on Tubi. I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> Apparently, it's horrible. So <laughs> Jay will probably love it then. And then anything that's really good, Jay doesn't like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a 2001 film and it is on Tubi. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Jay, you should, you got to get a sponsorship from Tubi as much as you shout them out all the time. And the thing is, like, my list is so huge, I haven't had a chance to watch anything on it. It's like, 
we have like every streaming device possible and like the list oh, yeah. is never ending on each one and i end up watching the office <laughs> you should hear me on final guys uh podcast I, every week i just spout poetically about tubi and i'm known as the tubi guy because i've always bring in the tubi movies that i watched that week to the table yeah love tubi if if it if they charged uh as much as netflix that i would i mean it's free but if they charged you know 20 bucks i'd probably pay it every month it's so bad it's good kind of (laughs) (laughs) all right right well this episode totally turned into uh movie movie chat yeah (laughs) yeah i'm just saying is uh shutter still a thing is that still around yeah still around right okay yeah I, I pay for that every month too. Like I, I, I like, mean to shut it it's off like every now and then. Paramount or Prime or something in it. Do what? And they're like LinkedIn with like Prime or something. You get it by it's standalone. At least yeah, it's both. You can get it through Prime or okay standalone. Cool. So we've got Prime and I see the Shutter movies on other time. So I yeah, I thought I thought it well, would... I mean most of the streaming things you can get through Prime if you just want yeah. it that way. Yeah. But. It's like I, I mean to shut my shutter off before I get charged each time because if I'm not watching anything, I'd shut it off and I always forget. I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's something I haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with like Paramount Plus because that's the only place that has Twin Peaks. So yeah. it's like, all right, I'll just pay for a month. And now I'm just watching everything else they have on Paramount Plus while I have it. Yeah. And then I'll return to Tubi or, or whatever it may be. I'm due for another Sorry. Twin Peaks run through. Yeah, I'm on like season three now, and um, I had no patience when I watched it the first time. It was so slow, but once you understand what's going on, it's like this is gold. How many I seasons were? Like, how many seasons were there? There's three. There was three. Three. Okay. I can't remember if there was three or four. The original. There was There's 25 two the, years. The, yeah, the third one's 25. Yeah, years yeah, later. right. Yeah, but um, like I'm on episode eight now. Have you seen it, Chad? The, oh the yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've episode... only seen, I've seen that once, but I've seen the other ones twice. Can't, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched season two, and then it was like I need a break because it goes off the rails at the end of season two. David Lynch didn't get involved, and then he had to come in and finish it off. Yeah. Um, because they made him reveal the killer and stuff. But anyway, uh, episode eight of the return is like amazing. It actually involves the that bomb, you know, Trinity the Oppenheimer test nuclear bomb. Like mm-hmm. Lynch was already talking about this, like except for him and opens up kind of a rip in um, space time where with the, the beings come through or whatever, Bob, yeah. and all this. It's very cool. Once you understand the symbols and whatnot. Yeah. Season three has a whole different, uh, whole different feel. They dropped the, they dropped a lot of the uh, like uh, purposely can you know, Lynch has a way of directing his actors to, act bad purposefully kind of yes he uh, does. In, a che- in a cheesy sort of way it's I, I don't know what he tells them but it's like i want you to act really good about <laughs> acting bad or something i don't know it's so true it, yeah like and, the pause. But, but season three is is not uh it's just such it's such a darker tone than yeah. the first two seasons except uh when michael sarah shows up <laughs> yeah. on his that's, motorcycle that's, yeah that seems hilarious him yeah. being all awkward and shit yeah um, <laughs> but you know you know cooper doesn't even show up for like the whole season that bummed me out man because he's my it favorite bummed me out 
yeah, I was like, I don't want to see this. How does nobody react that he's so stupid the whole yeah. time? But then you watch it, it's like this is not exactly reality. You know, this is Lynch yeah. world reality. Season yeah. three, that's the newer one, right? That just came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was never able to get into Twin Peaks. I just I could I didn't get it. I can understand that. I, yeah, I personally I watched love it, it all the way through but... with my wife, but I was just like, I don't I don't see the appeal of it. I think that that if you go in with, I think people go in sometimes with expectations and don't realize uh, how unique it's supposed to be. And mm -hmm. that if you're expecting something traditional, you're not going to get it here. This yeah. is, this is different. Like I liked all the, the Laura Palmer mystery. And then after that, I was just like, I don't, I wouldn't dig it anymore. I guess the I just, season one, just the Laura Palmer stuff, Laura Palmer stuff. Yeah. I love the uh, the just the randomness of of uh, David Lynch, and and it rubs off on a lot of the stuff that, especially Skullface Boy, when I would have eyeball characters for no reason whatsoever uh, doing something very strange. That all comes from uh, <laughs> from scenes from Twin Peaks, uh, uh, Wild at Heart, uh, Blue Velvet. He'll just randomly throw something in there that's like, "Wow, dude, I don't know where you came up with that, but that is <laughs> wild and it makes no sense." Yeah, I love that. And well, do you ever throw any just wild stuff like that in yours? Just random. <laughs> if I can manage it, yeah. The shit, if, the shit monsters. At the I was end, gonna say, kind of you, you, yeah. just, you just read this one, so <laughs> yeah. yeah if, if I'm able to, but um, you can only go but so far within the realms of believability with most stuff, you know. Even with the longer without, works. without giving anything away, even Alex was super weird in this. And I don't want to say what was going on with him to spoil it, but he was a super oh, interesting, weird character. Well, yeah, he, he's, he's uh. don't, don't give it away. <laughs> I'm not giving it yeah. away. Just... Everything yeah, he did was to... strange. Say what? Everything that Alex did was strange. <laughs> yeah, he was a fun kid. Um, that whole stuff about the moon dust when he's watching his parents sleep. Oh, man. Uh, I was just most of the time I'm just cracking myself up, actually. Um, so I was just like, I found that hilarious. I was expecting um, something else during that part. I was waiting for something that you could a, a direction you a direction you could have went. I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be kind of bloody. And it was. oh yeah, <laughs> I, I need to do an extended version because he would have definitely uh, went uh, diving into their dreams. Yeah, uh, that would have been a whole nother like sidebar. But got to keep it concise. He was he was a really cool, interesting character. I liked him. Super bizarre. Yeah, and the way I like the way the way he ends up without saying what happens was just weird too. Yeah, and um, like to me, I like the the fiery riders that are kind of referenced. Yeah, who he kind of uh become goes to or whatever. Like that actually kind of gave me like a fucking chill when I was writing it, um, because I like that you never go into it and you don't know exactly who they are. Although I have some yeah. ideas, but it's like that's where they belong. I was picturing like Valkyries and like. Four writers of the apocalypse, that kind of stuff. Yeah. When you were talking about, yeah, them. exactly, just kind of on the cusp of the the heavens, the cusp mm -hmm. of the universe, you know. What's uh, what's on tap for you? What's next for you? Um, boomerang, right? Is Boomerang coming next? Is that the next? Actually, one? that's what I'm working on right now. That's okay. why I got Twin Peaks going. I'm uh, got like <laughs> 50, 60 pages left of Boomerang. I'm doing another edit. Um, hopefully, I might finish this weekend. Like starts Thanks. right now. I'll be up till like four o'clock tonight. And wow. um, yeah, I go late. 
And uh, then I'm just going to be uh, shopping things around and seeing. Usually I have a little carousel of mm -hmm. novels, and it's it's good to step, take a step back, work on this one, then come work on that one. I, I don't think it's good to just do, for, for at least for a long novel, to just do one pass-through and then, like, put it out. Like, no, you mm -hmm. need to set it aside for a couple months, work on something else, come back, mm -hmm. rinse, repeat, and do that yeah. a couple of times. So you kind of got a carousel going. How many books do you have done that are that are sort of in that carousel right now? Um, at least uh, at least three. Okay. Including Steel of the Night, which is massive and huge, and um, yeah, that like that's that's pretty much everything I'd ever want to do in a novel. It's almost like after that, I don't even know if I need to write any more horror. <laughs> it's, it's it's like Stephen King, like it, how Stephen King would say, I pretty much said everything I need to say in that. Um, yeah. But it's like possession themed. Okay. Like, it's the next actress's J. Be on the lookout, man. <laughs> so what, what are you going to write if you're not going to do horror anymore? What you no, do? I still do horror. You're going to branch but... out to sci-fi or fantasy. and. <laughs> no, I like doing um more like a dark literary stuff like mm -hmm. have y'all ever heard of wolf and white band no. uh, by josh uh, or john darneal mm -hmm. he's also a musician he's in the mountain goats like this is a very fucking dark book but it was nominated for like i don't know the pulitzer or something but it's very okay. dark so I, I enjoy like literary um and then kind of golf in there character stuff but definitely i mean still horror I don't really do too much science fiction or fantasy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. What's the, uh, the big one, your sort of opus. What's that one called again? Still of night. Is that what you said? Still of the night. Still of the night. What's that one about? If you can tease anything. Um, well, basically it's like, uh, this guy, which this spirit has sort of been riding for a long time and, you know, using him as, as a tool, uh, he kind of comes to his his end, and it's sort of about how the spirit has to leave him and take up residence in somebody else, which happens to be this teenage boy. And so, you know, you get to involve – I love writing about teenagers, you know? And so you get to do the teenage stuff, but there's a whole cast of characters, so I got the adults all around. So it's just jumping all around, but it's how that spirit sort of works in this town to, um, you know, put the screws to everybody. Uh, but especially okay. through this one kid. And, um, you know, I've read a lot about possession, you know, and stuff like that. So it's not hokey possession stuff. It's basically more based on things that I've actually read because I just enjoy reading about it. <laughs> so I just put it in here. And, like, to me, this is one of the most realistic possession books I've ever come across, um, you know. Like, it's, just, it's probably about five 500 pages something like that. Um, but dude, yeah. I, I freaking love it. I can't wait for it to come out whenever that may be. And is the, um, was it, is Piper house? Is this your press, your imprint that you put, put your stuff out? Yeah. Okay. I like, I like the little Piper guy on there. You ever think about yeah. putting anybody else out or is that just, just for you? More so just for me, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to go into like uh, indie publishing and stuff like that, but, but uh, I mean, with, with that on there, it kind of it makes it seem more like 
you didn't oh. self-release it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like working at a... the library, working at the library, I've come across a lot of um, self-published books and that's definitely, there's some things I definitely did not want it to look like. Yeah. So I, I try my hardest to make it look like any other book that you'd find anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? And the, the formatting above the, I just have the two. I don't have double vision, but the formatting above these looks really good. And I love the mass market paperback size of this. Yeah, yeah. me too. It's great. No, thank you. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, How did you make this size? Um, That's uh through Ingram. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, they actually have a lot of, a lot of different sizes and stuff like that. Um, and it really worked out well for that one, but the size of Drenchrome, which is the more standard size, yeah, that's where you can actually they got that um weird sort of paper that I think Max uses a lot in perpetual or uh ghoulish in that thin yeah. sort of paper, you know. Right. Um, you can actually use that for those books, but for whatever reason, they don't have it for this size of Wayward Sons, which I totally would do. I would love that, but they don't, they don't have it for that. So I've gotten to learn Ingram sort of, you know, from working with it. So um, it's sort of natural just to put it out myself, especially Drenchrome. I was like so hot to put that out and put something out that it was like, it was a pretty much a whirlwind. And thankfully Adrian is a very quick worker. <laughs> he does good yeah. stuff real fast. He does great stuff. I wish more people would put out sizes like this. I love this old yeah. mass market size. I'd like to do that too, but I'd, I've never used Ingram before. And you know, at least I, well, most of my stuff is is I you know put it out myself, but <clears throat> not mm-hmm. not that size. Yeah, um, dude, you should try it out. Um, that way, like that way, if like if you were to go to Barnes and Noble or Walmart, you can look up Hamlin Bird, and all the books are there. Um, of course yeah. they don't stock them in their brick and mortar stores, but they're right. in the system. Um, mm-hmm. and when I was like, I initially did double vision through Amazon. And then once I realized that nobody will ever, you know, like bookstores, like nobody will ever carry it because Amazon's their competition. So it was a whole hassle to pull it off of Amazon and get it set up with Ingram. It was a nightmare. <laughs> and I've, um, so I only use Amazon for strict Kindle stuff now and everything mm-hmm. else I go through Ingram. I've gone wide before and it's so much harder to get seen. I definitely saw a drop in sales. Uh, no more page reads because I'm not, you know, Kindle Unlimited. And it was hard to, uh, I, I've heard that it was hard to get seen, but I, I I went wide for probably, man, maybe like four to six months. And uh, and then when, once I went back into KDP, um, my sales went back up again because Amazon helps you, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be strictly with them. And, yeah. But yeah, I've never done anything with the Ingram. I've thought about it, uh, particularly when my wife and I just published a couple of children's books and we were going to do that um, because they had more of the size that we wanted. The size we ended up using that Amazon provided uh, worked out just fine. But, um, and I didn't want to deal with the learning curve at the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ingram can definitely be, if you make a mistake, <laughs> It can be a that's an, that's another thing. It can be costly, and I I remember working with a publisher before who they're like uh, they caught an error once too late that they had made, and that it cost them twenty five dollars. And then they there was something wrong with the cover, it cost them another twenty five dollars. Whereas something I can change my thing at any point for free on Amazon. 
right. Yeah, Ingram just changed their thing. Now it's like completely free again to upload anything. Really? Yeah, it was like 50 bucks maybe to do a paperback and ebook or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They, they they rolled it back. Now you can do anything for free. I've seen a lot of people complaining about Ingram lately though that they'll like upload a new file or document or whatever and then Ingram takes forever to respond and say it's yeah. like a yeah, well, to be fair, Silva we had on, and she had updates to hers, and they started printing the older version before they. But to, to their defense, though, Amazon's doing the same thing. So. I was just saying that. L- Lewis, Lewis, yeah, my buddy Lewis is going through it right now. I don't know if he's still in chat or not, but he had to just go ahead and take down what he had and then upload the new one because the changes were not taking place that he was mm-hmm. trying to fix that they had. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to be any. <laughs> not only that, that not only that but amazon has been sending books out with uh the wrong cover or the book is printed upside down pages missing <laughs> um not attached correctly it's not a it's not a a, a super common thing but i've seen it mm-hmm. enough to wonder how often that's happening with my books and talking about how long it takes with ingram to get responses and stuff like yes basically don't ever make a mistake because <laughs> that's, for, that's for slogan Ingram, yeah don't ever make a mistake like, <laughs> once you enter that realm of having to try to contact them you're you're on you know like you're on a whole other like different journey now so try we're to gonna, get it right the first time for real we're gonna lose that sponsor <laughs> oh, yeah right we're ne- this show would never get a sponsor <laughs> ever yeah. yeah all right yeah, hamlin I'm- thanks so much we appreciate you stopping by this is uh been an interesting episode. We went all over the place. This is yeah, what you no. expected when he came in. <laughs> Just about, what, yeah. I would hope so since he's watched before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got music, into. movies, all kinds of stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think I watched y'all's very first episode. I mean, I remember um when y'all were oh, sitting in with uh, don't talk Nikki, about that. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. Oh yeah. I've been around for a while, but yeah, no, dude. Thank y'all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was very cool to be on this side of things. Chad, as always, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, (laughs) Hamlet, it's a pleasure officially getting to meet you and hang out with you, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. Do do you want people to uh, stalk you? Where can they find you? You got your Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. You want to throw that out there? Yeah, yeah. Chadlutsky.com. If you're you talking to me, both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Same. Yes, go if you (laughs) if you want to reach out to Hamlin, go to my website. Yeah, I'll make sure you get all the messages and that'll forward (laughs) them over to Hamlin. Yeah. Um, just my name everywhere and my website. So this is the newest one, but he's got a few others out to float around. This one, I mean, you know, if you partake in mushrooms or something, you might want to go ahead and do that before you I'm not I'm not, you know, saying do drugs, kids. I'm just saying. It sounds Jay, like you are a sponsor for the show, Jay. Come if, on, if, if, if you happen to do that, you know you might want to. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool because you don't know what's real and what's what's really happening. Never mind. You know, yeah, go back and, wa- go back and watch the show. <laughs> if you like drugs, read this book. If you like bands, read this book. <laughs> drugs um, and alcohol in this one too, but yeah, drugs are really in this one. Yeah. All right, for our uh, for our guest this evening, Hamlin Bird, our special co-host Chalutsky. Uh That's a wrap. I'm tired. Okay, I'm going to bed. That's your bedtime, Jason. It, it is. Yeah, <laughs> but up to three thirty. I got to do this. Okay, 
Thanks, everyone. Everyone in the chat. Thanks for hanging out. Totally appreciate it. Till we meet again. All right, Chad. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you, guys. Love you, Jay.